This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by FLM Harvest, a strategic full-service creative consultancy reaching more farmers and farm leaders than any agency in the country. Learn more at flmharvest.com. Good Thursday afternoon. I'm Spencer Chase. A Chinese spokesman says tariffs will be cut as part of an upcoming Phase 1 deal. Chinese Commerce Ministry spokesman Gao Fang said the U.S. and China will eliminate some of the tariffs in phases as part of the negotiations. Speaking Thursday in Beijing, he did not address the schedule for lifting the tariffs or what particular duties would be addressed. For more on the news, check out Bill Thompson's story on agripulse.com. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is out with a new report that says preventable deaths are more common in rural America and the gap is widening. In cases of 2017 cancer deaths, 21.7% were deemed preventable in rural counties compared to just 3.2% in their urban counterparts. The same statistic for 2010 was 28.7% in rural counties and 17.9% in urban areas. The same could be said for preventable deaths due to heart disease and chronic lower respiratory disease over the same time period. The CDC says rural health providers should prioritize blood pressure improvement, encourage patients to quit smoking, and follow CDC guidelines when prescribing opioids, among other suggestions. More on the story in our coverage on agripulse.com. USDA's Reconnect program is up and running, but some grant applicants have a few issues with the process. Agripulse's Ben Nolly has more. An applicant who signed up for a USDA program to build out high-speed internet is enthusiastic about it, but notes technical challenges. Keith Hayward is general manager of the Northeast Mississippi Electric Co-op Association. His association applied for a ReConnect grant, but is concerned about the accuracy of data used when the applications are evaluated. We were spending thousands of dollars to apply for this grant. And much like the loan programs, they were a 90-10%. So one of the problems we had was trying to make sure, and we don't know to this day, we haven't received word, we don't know to this day if some of the, if there were some people out there that maybe we didn't know about or got service in between the time that we applied for the grant. Chad Roop with USDA's Rural Utilities Service says the department is doing the best it can to make sure data is accurate. There's no single source that has the absolute correct data to be able to recognize who currently has service on a 24-7 daily availability at the FCC standard. So we're working diligently and we're meeting regularly to help accomplish that mission to where we can effectively deploy the federal dollars and partner them with private investment. So we truly can leverage and make the right impact in the right locations. So far, around $44 million out of $600 million in grants and loans have been distributed to a total of five projects in Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Virginia. For AgriPulse, I'm Ben Nully. Finally today, pro-biofuel lawmakers are raising awareness of some issues facing the industry. On Wednesday, 40 House Democrats sent a letter to chamber leaders encouraging an extension of the biodiesel tax credit. They say biodiesel industry participants are suffering because the credit has not been extended, a factor partially blamed in the closure or production reduction of nine biodiesel plants. Some Democrats are hesitant to make minor tweaks to tax policies such as extenders without considering broader changes to roll back some of the changes passed in 2017. The letter says continuing to delay the extender conversation has real consequences for the industries that use the credits. In the Senate, a handful of Midwest Republicans submitted comments on the Environmental Protection Agency's supplemental rulemaking to address small refinery exemptions from the renewable fuel standard. Senators Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst of Iowa, John Thune and Mike Rounds of South Dakota, Roy Blunt of Missouri, and Mike Braun of Indiana all submitted comments. 
They say EPA should adjust its proposal to use actual waved gallons when calculating the volume it will account for in future blending targets. At issue is an EPA proposal to use recommended waiver volumes from the Department of Energy. Biofuel advocates say that number doesn't adequately adjust for the amount of gallons waived by the EPA. The lawmakers and other biofuel supporters say the EPA should use its own data on gallons waived. The comment period on the supplemental rulemaking is open until November 29th. Now, here's a word from our sponsor. Today's AgriPulse update is brought to you by FLM Harvest, a strategic, full-service, creative consultancy proud to reach more farmers, farmer boards, and food and commodity associations than any agency in the country. Learn more at flmharvest.com. That's all for today's Drive Time. For more agriculture, trade, environment, and regulatory news, visit agripulse.com. Reporting in Washington, I'm Spencer Chase.